Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Mike Michalowicz. He is the best-selling author of The Toilet Paper Entrepreneur and The Pumpkin Plan. And he's got a fairly new book out uh, that we're going to talk about today called Profits First. Or Profit First, I guess. Uh, maybe we could say Profits. So anyway, thanks, <laughs> thanks Mike. We can say me. either. Hey, John, thanks for having me on. So give me a little backstory because... Um, you know, this is this is a somewhat new topic for you. This is an important topic for any entrepreneur, yeah. uh, quite frankly, to understand. But your your books to date have really been more entrepreneurial success, marketing related. So, uh, what's the backstory on writing a book about finance? Yeah. So, well, I had my come to Jesus moment, if you will. If, if Jesus was named bankruptcy, um, <laughs> I. Uh, yeah, you know, as I'm a former entrepreneur, I, I've grown a couple companies, and after I sold my second one, it was acquired by uh, Robert Half International. It's a it's a Fortune 500. I thought I had the formula to success, and what I thought the formula was was that profit and wealth is a, is made in events. That big you know, big client comes in, that big project's engaged, um, and, and we just have them have these moments. So I thought that business was really a pump and dump mentality: grow a business, sell it, grow and sell it. Well, I became an angel investor um, with my own funding, and uh, I I pumped five companies, and all or, I'm sorry, ten companies, and they all tanked. None of them were sellable. I lost money on every single one, and it, it nearly bankrupted me. Well, um, it's a track record like that. People probably stopped wanting your money too, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, no, no. <laughs> Interestingly, you think people just want to stop yeah. wanting your money? No, more more and more people would reach out because the, sure. the word spreads. Right, right, right. Free money, free money. Yeah. And I, I was in a space that I, I sucked at. I was totally clueless. Hmm. And uh, came home to my family uh, to, uh, this is back in 2008, and told them I, I lost everything. So uh, we breached millionaire status, and, and that within two years, I, I was in uh, nearly homeless, hmm. homelessness status. Um, and the event was just, this is such a defining moment in my life. My daughter, she was nine years old at the time, when I was telling my family, I was crying as I was telling them this, my daughter runs out of the room and then she comes back in a minute later with her piggy bank and she pops in front of me and says, Daddy, I'm going to help us. And, uh, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's a humbling moment. Uh, well, and what I realized then, I didn't know the solution, but at least I realized that profit wasn't something that happens in, in events. Um, it doesn't happen in moments, but profit is something that's got to be a habit, something that happens all the time. And I de endeavored to figure out the solution. And uh, I think I found it. I found it for me. Uh, I've consulted and helped companies employ this. It works for them. And I, 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 hope we, I hope this is a paradigm shift for how people run their businesses. Well, what's interesting, and, and I've you know, dealt with businesses forever in the marketing space, and, and a lot of times the, the, only, the only focus seems to be revenue. You know, am I growing revenue or sales? It's probably what, more accurately how people talk about it. Am I selling more stuff? Versus even this focus on profit, and and you know how many seemingly successful companies have gone out of business uh, because there was no profit. Yeah, and we and we see it in the news all the time. Like, oh, look at here comes Twitter, who comes you know to to the main stage so quickly and and hasn't made a penny. Maybe they are now, but they become the heroes. But really, revenue is vanity. Yep. Revenue is what that we pound our chests over. The reality is cash. You know, at the end of the day, the reality is what's the bottom line, um, and, and without it, the business can't sustain. But but I experienced the same thing. 
um, it's always the how big is it question, right? Like how big is your business? How many employees do you have? It's always a question around revenue. And there, all this chest pounding happens. So you know, I'm endeavoring to change that question from how big is it to how healthy is it? Mm-hmm. How healthy is your business? We, we, we got to focus on the bottom line. I, I'd much rather, and I do, have a sub-million dollar business that throws off uh, a 20% bottom line after paying me, after everything, there's still 20% left over than a $7.5 million business, my last company, that was throwing off a negative one in profitability. We just kept on you know, incurring more and more debt to sustain until we could sell it. Yeah, and 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 obviously, you know, when when you look at that idea of selling, um, I think anybody who's really savvy at all <laughs> understands that that it doesn't matter how big that company is if it's not uh, throwing off profit or if it's worse, it's uh, in, encumbered in debt. Uh, yeah. it's probably not very valuable. Where that company that that continually spits out twenty percent profit, I mean, you 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 know, that's a you know that's a that's like a a, a certificate of deposit you know, almost you know for Water buying it yeah right yeah so um so let me ask you this you take you know obviously you you take on i only know this because i read it in your book um you take you take on this uh, term gap accounting which is a, apparently the accounting system that that you know every business every accounting firm uh, has been trained to yep. to use and apply and and you know you're not the first one but I, I know a lot of people are saying not only does that system sort of antiquated uh, it certainly doesn't add much um, in in terms of trying to help people run a business no not at all I I did my Johnny Cochran with it and I have gap is crap you know he had the glove don't <laughs> right. fit must quit yeah. I say the gap is crap and um, gap here, here's how significant gap is gap is not only used by all different businesses it's mandated by the SEC uh, for big business and, and right. small business follows suit but gaps foundational formula and everyone knows this everyone uses this is that to get to profit it's sales minus expenses equals profit um, so we sell as much as we can we incur expenses to to facilitate our sales and deliver our offering and then whatever's left over is profit but the absurdity is this that profit is a leftover it's the afterthought it's a, it's a remainder my argument, my thesis, is that profit needs to be reverse engineered. We got to start with profit, hence profit first, and then back calculate what does the business have to do to make that profit a consistent reality. Yeah, and I, and I think a lot of, particularly small businesses. I mean, I, a lot of times when a business gets to a certain size, and they, particularly if they're a public company, and people are scrutinizing, you know, every uh, every mention of profit. Um, but but I think a lot of, uh, particularly small businesses, uh, tend to believe that well, profit is is what's left to pay myself, you know? yeah. And, and, I, and I think that that obviously, in some cases, uh, what all they've ter- all they've created with that mentality is a really bad job or a really low-paying job. Um, and and I think that that's a in some ways that's a mentality that has to really change in small business. It, it has to change. Um, how many businesses can you think of, John? Maybe you experienced it yourself. I've absolutely experienced this. Waiting for that one big client to swoop in or that one big moment to happen to to save save my business. Uh, out of the 28 million small businesses in the U.S., 21 million are running check by check, right. meaning they don't know how they're going to p- cover the bill next month. Mm-hmm. They, they don't know if they can be in business next month. And the absurdity is this. That means there's 28 million people or 21 million people that are smart enough to start a business, come up with a concept that's viable, sell it, collect revenue, 
grow it. I mean, 21 million people can do this, but they can't figure out the profit component. I'm like, that, that doesn't compute. You can't be smart enough to do 95% equation and just be <laughs> totally dumb with 5%. There's got to be a flaw. And the flaw is this. It's not the entrepreneur. It's that formula. It's that it's having, sale, uh, having profit as an afterthought, as a leftover, as a thing that's going to happen one day. It's got to be pre-calculated. We've got to take the profit first. Well, and, and I, I do want to get into the system, right? I think we've pounded home this mm-hmm. idea of, of you know, what you, why you have to change your mindset. But let me throw this uh, variable in there, too, and, and see if you've encountered this. You know, for some people, you know, profit's kind of a uh, – it has this negative stigma that, that you're out to profit, you know, from, <laughs> from, from something. Or that, you know – and I think, the, the, of course, the flip side of that is that the only way you do profit is, you know, by taking something from somebody else. And – you know, I wonder if there, there's a little bit of that sort of negative vibe about profit versus, say, doing good in the world that, that maybe, you know, makes people almost feel like, oh, thinking about profit first is, is a bad thing to do. Yeah, there's definitely a stigma there. It's, it's totally misguided. It's totally wrong. Um, it, this is, your profit is what sustains your business. It allows you to do good in the world, right? So you, you can't contribute unless you're healthy. It's like saying... Um, you know, you have to help build a wall of brick, but you can't feed yourself. Um, you can get no water, um, and you just got to keep cranking until you, the way until you die. I mean, that would be absurd. But that's what we're doing in our business. The, the, here's even the greater irony: the the reverse. The way most businesses are doing it is actually selfish and damaging. Most businesses uh, that are running check by check ultimately incur debt. They're not making it, so they incur debt, which means you take other people's profits and then you use it to apply your business. With the, the knowledge over time that, you know, I may never call back, I may never be able to pay back this debt. Um, I may have to declare bankruptcy or I'm going to not pay my vendors. That's, that's thievery. Yeah. That's thievery. And unfortunately, I, I see that way more often. Yet people say, well, I'm doing good for the world by taking from others. Okay, I don't see that. I think that's pretty bad. Well, I, I tell you, um, um, and, and I promise we're going to get into the system here. Yeah. I'll tell you, early in, in my business, and I, I did not understand this, and I certainly didn't understand the ramifications, the tax ramifications uh, of uh, the, this approach. And so I, you know, was going, I was plugging along, trying to, you know, trying to get a sale here, a sale there, and lost a couple big clients. And so we, you know, we did, uh, in, you know, incur some debt basically to pay the bills. Um, fortunately, uh, things you know took off again, and uh, we you know we were able to become what I thought was extremely profitable, and so we paid off all that debt, uh, which meant we didn't have any money left over <laughs> at the yeah. end of the year. But guess what? We still owed taxes on all, all of the, yes. all of that uh, profit that we had actually made, and so uh, you know that was that was a huge lesson for me uh, in in not you know thinking profits first was that you know you think okay well we'll we'll dig ourselves out of this but it's the hole is the hole is much deeper than you think when you incur much a bunch deep. of debt. I yeah. call it paying for your sins, and actually yeah. in my book I write a whole section about this that we receive the tax benefit of expenses with other people's money. So we incur all these expenses, you know, five, six years ago, whenever you incur the expenses and then your taxes are reduced because it's an expense. And then today you make that money as a profit. As you said, you pay back your loans you owed, but now you're posting the profit. So the government, it's legitimate what they're doing. The, the law as it's defined is when you make a profit, you have to pay taxes for it. But I see person after person say, well, there's, there's no cash left over. Exactly. But, How would I make any money and not have it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, 
that's that's how it works. Yeah. So yeah. You, you have to pay for your sins. If you're if you're at least aware of this, it's going to be painful clawing your way out of that debt, especially that tax liability. But the day that final debt's paid off, it's the biggest relief. It's like taking a thorn out of your heel. Now you can start running again, and it's it's a big relief. Yeah. So so let's uh, talk about how you know obviously people need to buy the book uh, to get uh, the probably the the real working order of how to do it. But uh, maybe you could kind of outline or map out for us. At least this shift that has to go on, and maybe some of the steps that uh, the that people yeah, need to I'd implement. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to. Well, there's there's four core principles, and it, but it's based upon uh, one behavioral theory that we we have to understand, and it's called Parkinson's theory. Uh, there's a guy named Northcote Parkinson. That's his real name is Northcote, which is just badass to have a name called Northcote. That is. I, I want to meet his parents. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, <laughs> Southcote and Eastcote. Um, so Northcote um, Parkinson's realizes or, or came up with this theory that it's, it's the human mindset to consume the entirety of any resource made available to us. Which means, for example, if you and I are in a uh, discussion around a project that I have due to you and I say it's going to take me one week, it'll take me one week to get it done. That same project, same discussions, me and you, and I say it's going to take five weeks, it'll now take me five weeks to get it done. We consume the entirety of the resource, in this case time. Well, the same thing happens with money, and this is the foundational principle. As income comes into your business, if you have one bank account set up um, where all your deposits go in, it's the natural tendency, Parkinson's theory, to see that money in there and say, oh, I got you know, whatever it is, $10,000 in deposits, I got $10,000 available to me, and then we consume it in its entirety. It goes to expenses. If there's a little bit of money left over, it goes toward investment. Rarely, we never even think about profit. Um, rarely do we even pay ourselves appropriately. So the first principle that leverages this is I call it small plates. Instead of having one bank account, set up multiple bank accounts with your bank for different purposes. One account is your profit account. One account's your pay account for paying yourself. One's a tax account so you don't get caught off guard like we just talked about. Another one for operating expenses. Now when a deposit of say ten thousand comes in, you apportion or allocate the money to these different accounts based upon predetermined percentages. 15% maybe goes to profit, 30% goes to paying yourself, another 15% goes to your tax liability so your company can pay for that. The remainder, uh, I think it's 40% in this case, goes to operating expenses. So now when a $10,000 check comes in, you see you really have $4,000 to keep this business uh, going. And it changes your perspective entirely. Now. According to Parkinson's theory, the availability of a resource is used in its entirety. Now there's only $4,000 available to run your business. You will find a way to get done with $4,000. Innovation will kick in. You'll have to find how to do the same things you were doing in the past now with less than half the money, and you will find a way. But the beauty is because you allocated profit first and you took money to pay yourself first, that those components have been addressed. So that's the core foundational principle of profit first. Now, um, you, you probably need to make sure you find a bank that doesn't charge you separate fees for all of those accounts, though. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> no, but that, that's, I really love that, uh, that concept because you're, I mean, you know, even if you probably have to take one from another or something, it'll be a lot harder decision than just looking at, you know, like we, a lot of times, especially small businesses. I mean, a lot of times they, the financial number that they run their business with is what's my bank balance. Um, and right. and so I think a lot of times uh, there is a tendency to say, yeah, things are going pretty well here. You know, I got a little there, extra. There is a tendency to do that, and um, but there is a tendency, as you kind of just alluded to a second ago, to borrow from ourselves, and, and that's another part of the system. That's where this falls apart. 
So, you know, moving money to a profit account only to borrow from it, you know, and I'm doing air quotes, steal yeah. from it, really. Yeah. Steal from it. I mean, this defeats the entire system. You're, now you're playing a shell game. So what I suggest is you oh, set I thought, up... I thought I found a loophole, damn it. <laughs> damn it. No, no. I, I, you set up a second bank, and this is how you do it. So, by the way, there, there are banks that do no fees. I found, ironically, it's federal credit unions that I love. I work with them mostly because they're very low to no fees for these accounts. Um, also, if you work with a bank that you love, but they're asking for fees, ask for the bank manager. You can negotiate. Everything's negotiable. You can yeah. get rid of those fees. So set up a second bank. Uh, a totally different bank. So if you work with major bank A, go to Federal Credit Union B. Or if you work with uh, major bank A, go to major bank B. But use this different bank. Link them uh, in a one-directional transaction. You can do that. Um, and what you do is when your money goes into your profit account, your primary bank, you allocate it. The next step is to transfer the money to the second bank. You want to remove the temptation to mm -hmm. borrow from yourself. And how you do this is the second bank is you do not get the convenience options. You don't have an online banking set for you. You don't even get a checkbook. Just move it to the second bank. The only way to withdraw money is to physically go to that bank, ask the bank a manager to come over and write a banker's check to you for that money to be released. What happens is when you remove the temptation, it forces you to find a way to get things done with the money you have. And it avoids that common trap of saying, oh, I'll just borrow from myself, which is the easy way out. And when you can't pay your bills, and that time will happen. It will be a cold bucket of water to the face. But when you can't pay your bills, it is your business screaming at you. It's your business shaking you saying, John, you can't sustain these bills. We can't run a healthy business this way. You have to stop incurring these bills. And that, that, that's when innovation kicks in and you find alternative ways. That's when I go out and sell something else, right? Or you, yeah, or exactly, you sell something new. You bring in more revenue. Yeah. yeah. Or you find like, hey, like I listen, John. I I imply this employ the system for myself. I was running a thousand dollars a month rent for my office space. I was like, that's nothing. A thousand bucks, three employees. I ran this. It's like you know what, my rent really should be two hundred dollars a month. Um, I'm gonna find new space, and I found space for free. Um. Just called a friend. And he said, yeah, move in. It's, it's an, uh, a manufacturing facility, mm. and they have office space up front. He's like, just move in. It, it's been empty for years. He goes, I'd love to see you around. So not only do I have free space now, it's a cookie manufacturer. I can, I get oh, free, boy. Yes, I, 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 I waistline. No, yeah. no way. Yeah. I couldn't yeah, yeah, yeah. do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, it's free. It's free, Mike. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Okay. That's funny. All right, what else we got? So... Um, the sequence you do things are very important. I call it vegetables first. All these tips I learned from the health industry, by the way. The idea of small plates, which we've touched on, these different yeah, small yeah, accounts. Yeah. Um, if we serve, if we have smaller plates at our house, we serve ourselves less, our behavior changes. Well, vegetables first is this. That they found that in the health industry, if we eat vegetables before anything else, when it comes to the main meal, the meat and potatoes, if you will, or I know you're, you're a vegetarian, so if it's the uh, whatever comes next for you. I think you eat fish, right? I, I do, but but I usually go for the French fries first. Okay. Because okay, so that's my vegetable. There's your vegetable. <laughs> All right, so you know, eat the green beans first, they argued. And don't serve anything else. Eat, yeah. Put the green beans first. It will fill up space in your stomach, so you'll actually consume less of the next meal, the French fries. Well, in, in our business, the, the key fundamental thing is this. Is when a deposit comes in, it does, the first step is not to pay bills. The first step is to allocate money to profit, to these different accounts. You have to do it in the sequence because once you allocate the money, that's when it comes to paying bills, which is the next step. You have less appetite. You have less available space for it, so you consume of the less, less French fries. 
So the sequencing is important. Let, let me ask you. Let me ask you this, for, and, and maybe you're, you're going to touch on this, but you know, how do you how do you determine what that profit number is? Oh, great! Uh, you, you know, I mean, we great can fact. we can make a target, and you know, uh, people ask me this all the time: how much, what percentage of my of my budget should I allocate to marketing? And it's always my answer is always as little as you need. But yeah. um, but but people seem to want formulas. I mean, is there such a thing? Obviously, I'd love to have a fifty percent profit business, but you know maybe that's not realistic. Yeah, or, or maybe it is. We don't know. So um, there is a formula, and I actually created a chart. It's it's for it's available for download off my site, the MikeMichalowitz.com site. So I have a resources section you can download it, and it's in the book too. But Here's what I did. I analyzed a thousand companies of all different size, from you know under a hundred thousand revenue, brand new startups, zero employees, just the owner, to fifty million dollar companies. I then found what the healthiest companies were posting for profit and pay and stuff in those categories. So I have all the percentages outlined. Now these are what's called I call them taps, target as you suggested, target allocation percentages. Like a company doing under a million dollars in revenue. Um, the healthy companies are doing a 15% profit. Owners are getting paid upwards of 40%. Um, so that means a million-dollar company, the owners of the business are taking $400,000 out plus $150,000 on top of it, which may sound absurd to you, but there's companies doing that. Now, the reality is it may be absurd and not possible in your business, but I suspect if you push yourself, you may find you can get closer to it than you think. These are targets. You should start today with what you've done historically plus one. So say... Last year in your business, you posted uh, no profit. It was a break-even year. This year, you should, this quarter, starting now, you take a 1% profit, zero plus one. If you did 5% in profit last year, now we're going to move it to 6%. And that's what I call a cap, a current allocation percentage. So whatever you've done, historically add plus 1% to it. And for the expenses, you subtract out the difference. So if you put 1% more in profit, 1% pay, 1% in tax allocation, now you take minus 3% off of the expenses. Then at the end of the quarter, you bump it up again, and you bump it up again. And this is a way to very slowly and smoothly increase your profit, put slow downward pressure on expenses, and start adjusting. If, if you jump right to those target numbers, it's like taking a frozen mug out of the freezer and sticking it in a 1,000-degree oven. It's going to explode. So you have to do it in these small steps. All right, one uh, last sort of very specific question, and then uh, you can tell us uh, uh, where people might get uh, the book and, uh, and yeah. th things like the chart that you mentioned. What about that? Uh, you, you know, there's a conventional wisdom, particularly in S corporations, uh, and, and you know, forgive me this, if this ends up being way too technical, <laughs> but uh, particularly in S corporations, there's this, this kind of unspoken philosophy from a lot of accounting professionals that, that say you actually don't want to make a profit that you, you know, because that, that profit's going to get taxed twice, uh, uh, because it's all going to, you know, the company's yes. going to get taxed and then the individual, uh, who is, uh, assuming it's a sole owner or, or sole shareholder, that, then that individual is going to get taxed pretty heavily as well. Um, I mean, what do, what do you suggest in situation like that? Or is that just, uh, is that incorrect thinking as well? Yeah. So I, I challenge accountants that say that if, if, if your accountant says you don't want to have a profit, um, you got to incur more expenses. Um, that it, to me is a very short-sighted accountant. That's an accountant saying, let's minimize your tax liability at the consequence right, of right, your right. business's health. Here's one of the the necessary evils. The more profitable you are, you are going to have a tax liability, but you, you're more profitable. Right. So an accountant that's trying to position a business to be break-even, because that, that's the optimal tax number is to be break-even every year, yep. is is a t accountant that's also encouraging you to barely be getting by. So I challenge that theory. 
Um, a good accountant, from my experience, will do this. Will encourage you to be profitable and then leverage everything in the tax code that exists to minimize your tax liability. That's what they should be doing. Helping you increase your profitability. That's your sustainability. That's your take-home income. That's a portion of it. But at the same time, there's you know, in the legal code, there's ways to reduce your taxes. And every opportunity that presents itself to reduce your tax consequence legally, absolutely they should be doing. But don't don't just cut don't just incur more expenses to cut taxes. That's a fool's game. Yeah, it's it's kind of like uh, the the mentality when people say you shouldn't pay off your mortgage because then you'll lose the tax deduction. But <laughs> right, but right. then you won't be paying the interest. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, it's way short sighted thinking. Uh, yeah. Well, Mike, thanks. It's always great catching up with you. Uh, Profit first is uh, what what I really like about it too. Is I mean, not only do you debunk some of the common stuff, but you you really break down these very practical steps that make a lot of sense, um, as opposed to maybe some of the accounting jargon that is intended intentionally vague and, yeah. and misleading and confusing. I, I still look at these balance sheets and wonder what value they are causing uh, the world. But uh, again, maybe, maybe that's just me, not me, me being a marketing guy. Yeah. Um, so tell us where, uh, where we can uh, find some more goodies and, and obviously the book and all that good stuff, Mike. Yeah, so the, the mecca for me basically is at my website. It's MikeMichalowitz.com. Uh, I'm, maybe I'll have a link on the podcast. It, it's, yes, of course we will. All right, good. It's nearly impossible to spell. But the, the one blessing of my last name is that no one else in the world has this horrible name, so you just give your best stab at spelling it, and it's, it's amazing SEO. You'll find me. Um, <laughs> then, uh, and so I have free resources, uh, a chapter download from Profit First and, and my other books too. And, and uh, if you sign up for the newsletter, uh, tons of free goodies. I, I used to write for the Wall Street Journal uh, for many years, and the, the ten most popular articles I ever wrote are available uh, if you sign up on on my newsletter. But uh, if you want to get the book, Amazon. I'll tell you, man, they got the best deal going on. They always seem to. So yes. that's the place to go. The Kindle version, hardcover, uh, Audible versions, all all there for download. And if you've Kindle Unlimited, you can even get the book for free. So no excuse not to get it. Yeah, I've I've seen some of my books uh, showing up in that as well. Uh, I think it's a um, I guess it's just a self-published deal, right? The publishers themselves are not. The for-profit publishers are not putting books. The for-profit, yeah. So yeah. it's funny. I'm in a unique position where I, I have a, a publisher. Actually, you, John, thank you to you. Uh, make it publicly known. You were a, such an important asset and, and hooked me up with, with Penguin. And I loved working with them. But I've also done self-publishing. And a lot of the publishers are resisting Kindle Unlimited. Uh, but I think it's the best thing in the world. It's It's like... It's like when uh, Pandora came out and made music publicly available to listen to, Kindle Unlimited is doing the same for books. Yeah, it's funny how when uh, when a company creates something, an innovation that is ultimately so good for the end user. I, I like Uber. Right. Uber's a great example, I think, yeah. uh, of, of uh, innovation that is so good for the end user but is, is ultimately going to steal profits uh, from the entrenched uh, players, uh, they, they, they certainly uh, kind of go kicking and screaming. It's always the same thing. The hackles are up. Yeah. So, um, so that's why I jumped on it. When, when Kindle Unlimited came out, my books, except the one I, I, with my publisher, um, I put all of them on there as quickly as I could. And even my oldest book is outstripping the sales of my published book, uh, because of Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, you know, people are are getting the book for free, but then they're telling their friends about it, and other friends are buying it. So it seems like a big win. I, I hope publishers pick it up and start doing the same. Well, we'll we'll see. I mean, that that, that industry is has certainly uh, dug its heels in, and and yeah. you know, trying trying to hang on to what used to be a 
you know, a almost monopolistic <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, enterprise. But uh, but I, I think, you know, like you've seen a lot of the, you know, even on, even the entrenched news industry, people like the New York Times have kind of finally come around to it and figured it out as well. Absolutely. Well, Mike, always great to catch up with you, and uh, hopefully we will see you out there on the road. You will, or on a boat. <laughs> Take care. <laughs>